0: hey everyone it's me Lacey, and drew and we're here with our good friend jordan who is going to talk to us uh in depth a little bit about um her dog program which is incredible and we've been blessed by it so um i think we're gonna answer probably a bunch of questions you might have about herding dogs livestock dogs in general um and you know just i hope buckle up it's gonna be fun and you're gonna want one so (laughs) Hey friends!
1: Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead.
0: We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income, to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle.
1: We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too.
0: Let's start at the very beginning because I'm always really curious about the background of people and where, how in the world did you end up um, raising so many dogs? Because how many dogs do you guys currently have? We have eight.
2: Eight uh, dogs, ranging there. from, yes, ranging from seven years old to nine months. Yeah, that's a lot of dogs for one house. It is. Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah. Not if you're breeders,
0: though. <laughs> Not if you're breeders. So what was the what what do you think was the like trajectory of you starting out having a dog or even in your childhood did you always sort of want to do this or is it kind of a random what happened
2: That's a really good question. So <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. My parents recently moved and of course when they packed everything up they went through like all my old notebooks and papers and stuff and I actually had on a like kind of like a bucket list uh, to raise Australian Shepherds, and it's kind of oh, funny because cool. I wrote it when I was like maybe ten years old. That's and, incredible. Yeah, so I guess maybe it was something I I always thought about, um, yeah. but it really started when Josh and I were in college and we started dating. He had a dog. Um, he had an Australian Shepherd, and of course, we were both seniors in college, so we were you know, ready to kind of start our own life. And we made the decision to get a puppy. We said that we would tell his parents it was mine and we would tell my parents it was his. (laughs) But she was ours. And uh, so it kind of started there. But so we had Wyatt and Piper and they were our best friends that went everywhere with us. So they were part of our engagement. They were part of our wedding. They went on our honeymoon with us. Oh my goodness. Uh, And yeah, and and so kind of the obsession went from there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had our first litter in November 2018, and we ended up keeping two boys from that litter.
0: So Wyatt and and Piper were the parents?
2: Yes. Yeah. So Wyatt and Piper were our original two. And we kept Pine and Finn. And then in 2019 is when we bought our house. And we were so excited because our property was very flat. And so when we came to sign onto the house, we actually brought Piper with us. And I stood at one end of our property and Josh stood at the other and we had her run back and forth in between (laughs) us. Because up until that point, we lived in an apartment. And so we obviously did not have the room for everybody to run. And we were ecstatic to at least now have a property that Our dogs could run and play all the time, and that's what they do about 95% of the time is they just run around and play and live their
0: best, happy life. Okay, so then how did that transition? You're like, okay, so now let what I want to do is I want to master breeding these animals because I know your program is pretty intensive. It's not just like, let's have some puppies and see what happens. You're really intentional. And you, you have a very kind of systematic way of doing things. So how do you shift from sort of that mentality into the, the training I know you've done and that you implement with your puppies? Um, what did that look like?
2: Honestly, it started after we had our second litter. So our second litter was born in 2020. And of course, with the crazy way the world was, we could not beg people to come over and play with puppies. We we would say, hey, we'll even be outside. We won't be near you guys. Just come over and pet the puppies. And we knew how important that early socialization was even then. Um, But we saw a lot of flaws in that early socializing with our puppies. So our second litter, that litter born in 2020, that was our last litter that we let leave at eight weeks. and. When those puppies were about six to eight months old, a couple of the families said, hey, we're having some issues with, you know, not being friendly to everybody. You know, suddenly something that they were okay with before, they're not okay with now. Something that the puppy had never been around before, you know, they were terrified of it. And so we just really saw that need for us to step up our game as breeders, because even though We only get to see those puppies for those first eight to 10 weeks. Everything that's kind of after the life, a lot of that can be reverted back on us, even though there's so many situations that that puppy can have after they leave us. And so I personally don't want our families to have a reason to come back and say, well, something that our puppy did when you had it, you missed. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. I would rather. Do so much more so that there's less of that opportunity or that room for thinking. Oh, this must have happened before the puppy came to us.
0: Well, we were um, just talking with friends of ours, and they said their dog has some behavioral issues, and they said, you know, I think something happened when they were a puppy at the train or at the breeders. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know that I ever would have like gone that back far back, but he's kind of scared. It's and like
1: childhood trauma. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that's,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But I'll say like when when we got our puppy Robbie I was reading all the dog books I could on like training and stuff like that and there's always like any top like you know celebrity trainer like the first five chapters I would just skim through because like as I was reading it like you guys had already done all of it and I was (laughs) like you know and I was was like man this is this is amazing because I'm like I'm a very much a checklist person, so I wanted to like check off all of those things, and they're already all done. I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!"
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. It it really we saw that opportunity for the puppies. You know, they're always the focus of our program. We love our dogs, and we love the puppies, and we really wanted to help set the puppies up for success. So as much as we could pour into them so that there would be a greater return on investment for the families later on in life. Like that was what we decided, okay, we need that to be our focus. And instead of focusing so much on what color the puppy is, you know, what gender the puppy is, it's like all of these puppies have the same value and they all deserve to be given the same opportunity to succeed no matter wherever they go. Um, and so that's really. Well, kind I've never of seen that matching
0: before that you do. Like you personally, like know these puppies and their personality, and then you match them with where they're going, depending on mm-hmm. what the lifestyle is that they're going, they're moving on to. And that I, I didn't even know it was a thing that people. Do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, either. like I think I thought you pick a breed based on what their you know sort of tendencies are genetically i guess speaking or breed speaking and so the idea that you're like and you have a system of doing that right like you're not just like a dog whisperer Mm -hmm. you actually
2: (laughs) right yeah (laughs) so it's called volhart puppy aptitude test and it's um been around for a while i don't know when it was first like created but it's to test the temperament the inherited part of the personality And the puppy's reactions, they're done on the day that they turn, I believe it's 49 days old. So it's the day they turn seven weeks old because anything tested before or after that specific day is a learned behavior. And so you're testing like the most raw reaction from that puppy, Uh, you know, and it just really tells you basically the stability of the puppy and the sort of home that if nothing is done differently, you know, if the puppies continue to ra- be raised, you know, with no formal training or, or you know, just very basics, it'll tell you, you know, this is the tendencies that that puppy will have.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, this is a great puppy for a first time owner. This is a good puppy for someone who has experience, you know, um, and that really helps us determine which puppy is is best for each home.
0: And I know you've you've worked with people who use the animals as service animals, right? And emotional support mm-hmm. animals. And so like in all these variant, people with families, people where the child is really the main caretaker, people like us who want a kind of dual purpose family dog, but also really a working dog. Um, mm-hmm. And what are like, I guess when I, I know that you pressured us to get a dog, which we already wanted to do anyway, but you're like, this dog is perfect for you. This is perfect for you. <laughs> I think what I'm I'm curious about is what were you looking at in our dog that you are like, oh, this is a really good match for Drew and Lacey in their. Honestly, the fact that,
2: like, I'm going to put it this way, and it sounds different in today's society, but you guys are homebodies, and <laughs> yeah. I mean that as in like, you That's guys are going to be super. I, I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, but homebodies, so. You wanted a dog that could integrate with your family well, you know, and especially with you guys wanting Abraham to really step up and like this kind of be his dog, his buddy um, to go with him and keep an eye on him when he's out exploring. But then also having a dog that if he's with you guys, being able to say, hey, I need that cow back or let's go and turn this bull calf back around and bring it back over. Um, you know so the the herding aspect was big so we do the herding instinct test when they're 5 weeks old and that just kind of helps us really see who's got a little bit more aptitude for following the stock and having that natural drive and instinct um you know out of all of the puppies in Robbie's litter he was the male uh Rogue the puppy that we kept she mm-hmm. was the female that had the most interest and then Robbie was the male and so and they're like twins every funny. time you
0: post a video I'm like oh my goodness that dog looks so much like Robbie I'll be like, yes What's Robbie doing? I know I know it's that it's that cool consistency that
2: you see um that you want in the breed so like not only do we try to focus on our puppy raising aspects but like also since we're raising Australian shepherds like we want the preservation of the breed we want it you we want there to be consistency you know um we want the behavior to be the same we want the looks to be the same we want um uh, the drive and really the instinct there sorry we've got uh, a lot of helicopters flying super low here lately uh for about 30 minutes from fort bragg Oh uh,
1: yeah, we can't hear him on here
2: yeah I actually okay can't hear yeah oh that's good that's good yeah it's just like, <laughs> maybe half a mile that way oh, so pretty close yeah. um, so but but anyways but focusing on the preserving of what made the breed such a success story here in the U.S. and really having seeing that consistency even amongst you know litter mates so it's really exciting but that was really my focus point for you guys was a puppy that scored well would do great in a home with kids would do great with other animals um so that would be a more a mostly forest puppy on the woolheart heart puppy aptitude test but then also having done our instinct test knowing that he had more of an aptitude to follow in fact you know having him just sit and watch the chickens with finn um as he was growing up, even past the five weeks old, like that was really cool and kind of <laughs> stuck out to me was, hmm, okay, this puppy's already trying to take notes of what we're doing. You know, uh, that, that spoke volumes to me of, okay, this is a puppy to keep an eye out for, for someone
0: who's wanting a dog that's going to work. Uh, that's really good. He what does, does so well. And he's getting better and better with larger livestock too. And I think if you haven't seen... Um, before you should check out um Jordan's channel because she's always sharing great videos of her dogs doing some of these things, even on the small homestead putting the chickens up. And that was actually, I think, one of the turning points for us is we saw you shared a video of putting the chickens up and we're like, oh my gosh, that's a life. And we, you know, we've had sheep for years, and we've talked about this a little bit um on the podcast, but that we, you know, don't have the sheep currently. And we aim, uh, my aim is to get them again, but not until we have an animal that can do the herding because human herding of really really uh sort of wild sheep which is our goal is to have these sort of wild um is not fun it doesn't bring out the best in humans to to perform that act
1: (laughs) i think it's been interesting to me too like watching robbie like learning i didn't like it's been like you read the herding books and like they're helpful but Mm. at the same time i think like actually just being with the dog and like building that trust and relationship with the dog like a lot of times now he he will like, I can say fence and he goes to the other side of the poly wire and make sure nobody comes across. But Mm -hmm. in some days, like this morning, I was like, Robbie, come on. And he just sat there and he was like, no, I'm going to just watch the cows today. So it's like seeing him like thinking and still learning is it's a, it's interesting to see like the progression. Cause for a while he was like, I remember texting with you, like he was terrified to even come in with the cows. Yeah. And now he's like, he's, he's not hesitant to come in with them. And he's like learning how to move them. And um, yeah, it's, it's really an
0: interesting transgression. Yeah. yeah. And I think not just confidence in his abilities, but confidence in like communication with all of us. Cause it's different with each of us, right? It's not the same. He doesn't communicate with Abraham the same way he does with Drew or with me or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I noticed the other day that was so shocking is that Drew took two of the kids and ran to the grocery store. And when he was leaving, normally Robbie wants to, you know, whoever's going down the driveway, he goes with them. Um, and Drew turned around and he looked at him and said, stay. And Robbie just stood there and he stood there until they came back from the grocery store. I mean, it was incredible. I don't know if he actually That's did, cool. but, <laughs> but yeah, he was he, in the same he, spot. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm suspicious of if he, he actually probably went
0: stayed. somewhere else for yeah. a while, but, um, but he, the fact that he stayed was really huge because for the past like week or so, he really is just chasing every car down the driveway that has any of us. in it. he doesn't care about other people. Either, but He's not
1: maybe. chasing that car. He just wants to be with
0: us. Yeah. Yeah. He's just going. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah it's just been really impressive. And now like today I walked down the driveway and I turned around and he was going to come with me and I said, no, Robbie stay. And he did. And that was the first time he, I've successfully gotten him to sort yeah. of obey that command. Yeah. So that was big deal. Really cool. it's, it's cool for, for them to use
2: it in like real life. I had, um, the last week, the fence was off for some reason, you know, we must have just forgot to turn it back on. And so one of the sheep had gone outside of our perimeter fence, which is just five strands. And I was like, oh, shoot, what am I going to do? Well, Rogue was right beside me, of course. And so I I put my foot on the fence and I said, OK, Rogue, go out. And so she went through the fence and I said, go get that sheep. And I pointed because she's like looking around and she <laughs> saw him and she took him and she ran him halfway down the property and turned him back and got him back in through the fence wow. and then wow. came back through the fence. And it's crazy, but I've been dwelling on this more, especially this past week after we went to HOA and did the herding demos. Mm. Having herding dogs that are capable of doing the job, I'm not scared or worried now if there's an animal out. Because I know yeah. that I have a dog that's capable of of getting the job done, you know mm-hmm. whether they're outside of the perimeter fence or they're just outside of like their enclosure fence. I'm like, okay, it's okay. I have a dog that can do this. Whereas I know when we first started homesteading, I would be like, yeah,
3: panic,
1: yeah, out? oh
0: my god, what are we yeah, gonna do? Absolutely. Yeah,
2: and Lacey, so it's so Lacey nice
1: might to, have like, chased a pig down at the road before
0: down the main road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's
2: happened. Yeah, yeah. We've had to chase a pig back from our neighbor's house before, so I get that. (laughs) But it's nice now to have the confidence and have the dogs that it's like, okay, they know what they're doing. And we have enough communication that if I ask them, you go get that sheep, I don't care what you have to do to get them back in. You know, I could not have done it in five seconds like she did; would not have worked.
0: And we've been watching, we watched this mustard dog show with the kids to sort of just because it's super fun to watch these people train these herding dogs. They're in Australia yeah. and they're Kelpies, which is not, mm-hmm. I've heard, and you can maybe tell me if this is true or not, that Australian Shepherds are not actually from Australia. I don't know if that's true, but um, yeah, they're not, <laughs> they're not, <laughs> no, they're they're from the U.S. Um, but the the Kelpies, the way that they work is so much less of a harsh impact on the animals. And they're using them on, of course, on these like property, these ranches that have millions of acres and thousands of head of cattle or whatever livestock they have. And um, what they're moving away from is formerly, they're using like helicopters and motorcycles to help round and wrangle these animals. And the interaction between the dogs and the livestock is so much less intense, so much less of a trauma for experience for the animals, for the livestock. And I mm-hmm. think that makes so much sense to me because the way they do it is like, I mean, they really are, they are just doing enough to get the animal to do what they want, like not to really scare them or um, there's just not trauma involved. And I mean, our experience herding sheep as a family, like lots
1: of trauma. There's
0: lots of trauma <laughs> on both
1: ends. So
0: that's such an incredible, like, you know, farm har- um, smarter, not harder. Like, it's always, I'm like, why did we should have just gotten? but we just didn't even realize i think so we also bringing up the topic of livestock guardian dogs because they have their own role right to play mm-hmm. and so we have pyrenees and a pyrenees um anatolian cross um and they're incredible dogs but they're not herding dogs <laughs> and so no. you know them being here they never would have like come to help us bring the sheep
1: in. no usually they just
0: add it to the chaos yeah yeah they're just kind yeah. of dancing Um, And they want it. Like, I don't know what you want us to do. They don't get it. That's not how they operate. So it's -hmm. just so fascinating to watch how those instincts come out. But um, but also the well-behavedness of the animal that we got from you guys has been incredible because, you know, you see people get dogs all the time and they're like, oh, man, it took me weeks to potty train. It took me weeks to keep them from eating shoes. It took me weeks to keep me from chewing on all the furniture. And we have not had that experience at all. Um, and I was actually really, really terrified about that. And I don't know if that has to do with you or the breed or what, but um, I feel like it was you. <laughs> well, thank you.
2: it It is a lot of work to get to that point, but we have just found it it's so worth it for um for like you guys and for all of our families that get one of our puppies is if we just lay the foundation, like the puppies, want to be potty trained like that's the thing is it's just opening that door of communication of oh hey i don't want to potty in the house i don't want to potty where i sleep i'd much rather go outside and go to the bathroom but it's starting that at six weeks old and you know (laughs) it's Your guys' dog came from a litter that we had three weeks after I had a baby. And yeah. I said, well, yeah. I'm going to be up every two hours feeding a baby anyway, so I might as well be letting puppies out too. Oh my you God. know, And so it's just, it's that progression of like, okay, every two hours getting up, letting everybody out. Okay, let's go back in. Let's go back to bed. And it progresses to then by the time they're 10 weeks old, they're sleeping seven to eight hours through the night with no accidents in their own kennel you know, and understanding what that process is of, okay, I'm going to let you out. We're going to go outside. We're going to go potty. And, you know, it starts with, "Mm, they're going to have one little accident next to the door because I didn't get the door opened fast enough, you know, Mm -hmm. to, okay, everybody's going out. We're all doing our business outside. And then it makes it such a seamless transition to where instead of you guys spending months potty training, it's maybe two weeks of having an accident here and an accident there to being fully potty trained by 12 weeks, you know? And so that's, that's exactly the goal is thinking. like yeah. to make it so easy. And everybody loves puppies, but hates getting a puppy because they always dread the process. <laughs>
3: yeah, You wow. know,
2: I, man, when we got Piper, she was eight months old and we were still working out of potty training. Oh, You know, it just like, and that's the thing is when we went and we picked her up from the breeder, like the house smelled like puppy pee, you know, she peed on the couch beside us as we were there visiting Uh, the first time we met her. And it's so, it's like, we took our knowledge and our experience from that and our knowledge and our experience that we gained from having our second litter of, okay, we need to do more socializing so that the puppies have a better chance to be successful. You know, it's, it's all of those little things that it's like, okay, we can do this. If this is what we want to do and we want to do it the right way and we want to raise better puppies, this is what it's going to take. Yes, it's more work, but
0: there's so much benefit left from it. You know, yeah, um, for sure. It's life-changing because, you know, our dog can be with anyone. He can be with any people. He can be with any other dogs, even, um, he is not intimidating to other dogs we've noticed and he's not intimidated by them. You know, it's like this Mm -hmm. equal, he's comfortable in almost every situation. I can't think of one where he really doesn't do well. Um, and that, you know, having friends and family and and knowing people who have dogs that aren't in that way. Um, I know that it had to do with, because I think that's true of all your dogs because I've met a lot of them too and they're all super friendly um, and I've met other Australian shepherds and, you know, I mean, it's just comparing his demeanor to, uh, to those others. And you can see like the way he interacts with other dogs, he can pick up on, are they, um,
1: like social cues? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. You can watch that. He's like watching how they act and interacting in a way that doesn't make them on the offensive. Um, mm-hmm. even as a puppy, cause he's still a puppy and he still really yeah. just wants to play. So, um, it's really, it's been interesting to watch that. Um, But so my question then is how and like maybe do you have some um, resources or tools um, that you recommend to people, um, whether they already have a dog or maybe before picking out a dog or maybe they're even thinking about breeding dogs as sort of three separate whole questions. But um, what are some of your favorite resources and where where do you encourage people to to get answers and training on this kind of thing?
2: Yeah. uh, So the first thing, I'm going to do a little self-promotion because I do have a couple YouTube videos. (laughs) Uh, So our YouTube channel, I do have a few videos. I have one that's called What to Expect When You're Expecting Puppy Edition, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) where I just kind of, it's a longer like talking video, but I just kind of talk about like how to really set the puppy up for success when bringing home a new puppy Mm -hmm. and proper interaction with the puppy. You know, a lot of the times we think it's cute for them to chew on us and we think it's cute for them to bark and jump up and it's like we so quickly forget that that puppy is going to turn into an adult dog and that behavior is not so fun when they're an adult dog and those teeth are bigger and they bite harder and they can they're heavier and so that jumping up weight and that barking is not so cute anymore Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of goes over that a little bit. So our our YouTube channel is just Working Aussie's Homestead. And uh, another good resource, especially for breeding. Uh, so we do a combination of what's called puppy culture. And then we also use Avid Dog. Now Avid Dog is only available, I think, through Good Dog now. There's the website, gooddog.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, once... Once you're signed up through there, then you have access to all of Avidog's courses. So Avidog especially includes what we use which is the early scent introduction and it's very similar to early neurological stimulation that we use. And that's done the first from day 3 until day 16 uh, to really help focus on all of the senses that the puppies have during the neonatal phase because their eyes and ears are still closed. And so you're focusing on their touch and sound, I'm sorry, not sound, but uh, their touch and scent sensitivities and focusing on putting them for early uh, neurological stimulation is stimulating those brains to really work a little bit sooner. And it allows them when they're adults to kind of put... Stressors on a scale rather than just have the fight or flight response. Um, And so that'll help them later on. And then the early scent introduction is actually introducing them to a new scent for that same period of time, day three to day 16, uh, to kind of help stimulate their minds to kind of work a little bit harder. So, like some of those, we have a a snake skin that we use, I use wool. We have um, their favorite one is putting their nose up to our cat uh, so half of them will be like hmm, interesting and the other half are like this is exciting what is this? Yeah. you know but you know some other examples are like black tea soil um, pine wood shavings so just kind of a variety of like earthy and uh, you know we have lemon peel that they smell too so just kind of a variety to really get their brains more stimulated even at that really young age cuz normally they're just around mom and their siblings and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so introducing these other scents to like hmm interesting. Uh and then we record their response. But so for for breeding and for just some more information on like more socialization protocol would be the puppy culture. And so that is focused on like really novelty environments, novelty items, novelty in uh, different situations, bringing people in. And then something that we do, especially that I haven't yet heard of another breeder doing, is we actually partner with two local yoga studios. So we co host a yoga with puppies class. So it's a variety of people from uh, kids have shown up at those classes to like some older adults mm-hmm. and it's people moving their bodies and wear positions in a safe for the puppy environment because dogs don't frequent yoga studios which is nice so it's usually clean everybody takes their shoes off for the event and whatnot so that there is um, a very good like biosecurity going on But it's a cool event, not only for the people to play with puppies, of course, but for the puppies to kind of get more used to a variety of people, not necessarily paying just specific attention to them, uh, which we've also found is really good for the puppies is if they go into an environment and people don't necessarily pay attention to them right away. It also helps them be more neutral and not over aroused when people pay attention to them.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say all of that is good across breeds or is that all specific? Yes, I would say good across breeds.
2: Um, Well-socialized puppies are always the key, no matter what the breed is. Yeah, And that's where it's been fun is even though what we do is not necessarily the norm. I know a lot of breeders across the country that raise different breeds of animals or not animals, but just different breeds of dogs that do the exact same thing. Uh, that do bull heart puppy aptitude test their puppies and match to families too, rather than allowing people to pick. And so even though it's not the normal in terms of most people buying a puppy, um, Mm -hmm. finding a breeder that does that is going to be so much better off for you and your family in the long run.
0: Is there a Um, list somewhere? I mean, everybody should get their dog from you guys, but you know, you have (laughs) limited capacity. So is there a place to find like people who are following those protocols? Um,
2: not necessarily. If So even if you search up like puppy culture breeder, you're going to have hit or miss. And that's yeah. where it's important to do your research on the breed, but mm-hmm. then also do your research on the breeder too. Um, so for us, like, especially if you're, sorry. I'm like trying to think about how to phrase this. So that's not as controversial as it is. Um, so in, in the dog world, like obviously if you're going to support a breeder, you want to support a breeder that is focused on breed preservation and actually using the dog for what they were bred for. Um, hmm. That'll kind of help you. Like you said, like you said earlier, check those boxes, you know, if, somebody just breeds their dogs to breed their dogs most of the time that's going to be like your backyard breeder. And these mm-hmm. days it's a lot harder to spot that um than before, you know, because the people that were doing the necessary steps to socialize those puppies you could kind of like find them out a little bit easier than you can now. Mm-hmm. Uh so there's not a short answer, there's not really a list, but there mm-hmm. are a couple groups on Facebook where you can ask about a specific breeder or you can ask about recommendations for a breeder if you have a specific breed in mind. One of those is going to be Uncensored Breeders. Uh, Forget if there's anything after that, but but it's a Facebook group where you can just go in there and, and kind of ask for recommendations as well. And my name is not thrown in there ever. I'm still Reasonably small and new compared to a lot of the breeders that are going to be in there. You know, there's people who've been raising Australian Shepherds since the breed began. There's oh, wow. people who've been raising them for, you know, 30 years. It's so wow. it just, I've been raising them for five years. So, <laughs> yeah. considerably speaking, I'm a very small, newer breeder, but then I also only have one to two litters a year. So, I'm not going to be somebody who has five or six litters a year either. Just, oh, wow, you no. Know, our own personal preference and just, you know, we are not at the point to hire anybody. <laughs> and so breeders yeah. who have that many do- that many puppies a year and raise them with the same protocols are going to be somebody who has help. Um, right. And we just yeah. aren't there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so curious, like how if you have any recommendations for people who are wanting to breed, because, you know, we know a lot of homesteaders and they're looking for ways to kind of find a niche. And um, even with the Livestock Guardian dogs, I see a lot of people breeding their their Livestock Guardian dogs. Do you have any recommendations for them in terms of like doing things kind of above, above bar, um, you know, in a way that's responsible? And because um, I know there's, you know, always conflict when I see people post, oh, we're breeding our Great Pyrenees. Um, you get so many response, like no backyard breeding and there's so many in the shelter. And, you know, I, I, I get both sides, honestly, because mm-hmm. we have dogs and we're like, Oh, this is a great dog. We should breed her. She's got a great demeanor, but um, what are your recommendations? Excuse
2: me. I think honestly, it's just understanding the market too. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a couple of people, especially recently reach out if, I have a stud that they can use, or if I know somebody who has a stud that they can use. And it's almost like now I have to ask the question first of, do you have potential homes lined up? Because if somebody doesn't like the puppy market, and I hate to put it this way because it, it, you know, that's kind of what it is at this point, but the puppy market is on a weird wavelength these days you know, Just the only reason I'm going to say this and I might like go back <laughs> on it later and like, laugh, but <laughs> I think that a, a key aspect of us being successful is because we are small mm-hmm. and because I keep a waiting list. Right. And we don't breed until the waiting list is full. Oh, and so brilliant. for us, like our waiting list is six families, because that's, like for me, that's a good average size litter. So like the litter that you guys got a puppy from, she ended up having nine. But I had the six families already like good to go, excited, and uh, so for us, like I think it's successful. And even though you know, so like this recent litter we had eight, and I only have one spot left. But they'll they'll be five weeks old on Friday, so I still have five weeks to find the perfect mm-hmm. home for that last puppy and actually have a call later today <laughs> to kind of talk to a family but um if you don't already have families lined up or a plan in mind of what you're going to do if you can't find those puppies homes mm. then i would not recommend breeding that's,
1: um, re- that's
0: yeah. really good i appreciate yeah. exactly all of that yeah because
1: yeah. i feel like like and, what Lacey said that's like always the feedback is like they're gonna end up in a shelter and i even told Lacey like she was kind of pushing to. Well, my sister wanted one.
0: She wanted a puppy. And I was like, you know, she would be a great, like, pet dog uh, for a family. Um, But I didn't want to breed her for just one. I know. And I was
1: like, and I don't want six more Pyrenees on our property. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Now, if I had a dog that, like,
2: everywhere I took her, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, if you ever have a puppy, like, I want one. You know, that's Mm -hmm. one thing. But if you have a dog where you're like, you know, it'd be nice to have a little extra income And I think this dog would be a good fit. I don't think that that's enough of a reason to breed, especially right right now. So like, I personally know several Australian Shepherd breeders. Like, mind you, again, you know, I have seven of my eight spoken for already. Um, I have a couple Australian Shepherd breeders that I'm friends with that have four and five and six month old puppies that they still cannot find homes for. And that's where you know, talking with my husband, especially because we we kind of like bounce ideas off of each other and we and we talk about it. And that's where our focus is not on the puppy. It's on our program and how we raise our puppies. And so like this is the first time we've ever had this. But one of the families that's on our litter right now, um, they don't even want to know which puppy we pick for them until they come to pick it up, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, if They said, well, if we're not going to know for seven weeks, what's another three? Mm -hmm. But it's because they trust the process and the program and know that whichever puppy we pick for them is going to be a good fit. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really. That's that's what I think also kind of sets us apart is rather than talk about, oh, my gosh, I have puppies out of this dog that has all of these titles like, yes, I title my dogs, but also you know i put in so much into the puppies that kind of that's that's where people are like oh okay i want a puppy from you because you do all of these things with them not just because wow i love that dog i want a puppy from that litter instead it's you know timing is right and also the the way that we raise our puppies is what is kind of the sweet spot for us
0: well i didn't even want a dog but then i talked to you and i was like <laughs> But she made me want a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and I the idea of like being matched with this like perfect match was this like, oh it's yeah, kind of like okay. A, it's
1: kind of like a pound book
0: Cause you do feel like <laughs> l- yeah, kind of. But what you feel like when you buy a dog, it's sort of like luck of the draw, right? Like you just don't know mm-hmm. for sure what their personality is gonna be. And you hope you can train them, but there was just more of a guarantee when I got a dog from you that there was like this was gonna be a good fit. And um and you know like the additional support that you guys offer like continuing to like offer for the dog I mean that's a huge element too because you can't I don't know where else you could go and get a dog that it would come with that kind of um, follow up and I, know, I don't yeah. even know I
1: don't even know where to make if I had to yeah. find that farm you know,
0: yeah couldn't. no yeah. yeah and
2: half it's the time that field. I hear too <laughs> especially in like Australian Shepherd like training groups and stuff is someone's like oh, well, I have this issue going on and I tried to reach out to the breeder and they blocked me. And it's like, oh, like, oh, of, like of all the things, like,
3: yeah,
2: I would feel awful if somebody, you know, blocked me if I had just bought a puppy from them. You know, I just...
0: Ah, well, even you not have the experience assigned, we want. Yeah, you have us sign a document that if you ever want to get rid of this dog, then you need to tell me first. Like, it's just this really kind of beautiful, like there's no... Yeah, I just, it feels like an adoption, like a real true adoption. I know we actually,
2: um, I haven't said anything about this publicly, but we actually like had our first experience with that um, just this past month. Um, One of the families, he uh, lost his job and realized that having Uh, two dogs was not quite what he was hoping for. And we reached out to a family that had talked to us about our dogs before, but they weren't quite sure yet. And I said, hey, I think this guy would be a good fit for you. You know, I said, really talk it over, think it over, you know, he's safe. So he's not going anywhere. And one of our other uh, puppy families actually fostered him for a while. And uh, this Sunday, he's actually going to be picked up by the new family. But it's one of those where like, the stars have just aligned for that. But that was our first experience of, hey, this isn't quite working how I hoped it to. And right. not because of the dog, but because of the lifestyle.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
2: and and the whole, lots of things changing all at once. Right. And yeah. so, um. but that's, you know, I know for a fact that he's going to a good home, mm-hmm. um, even with it being a new home, you know, yeah. and that's where,
0: like, my heart feels right doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because, you know, we have Robbie and I can't imagine not really having him anymore. But I do think that if he needed to get have a different home, he would be fine. Like, it wouldn't, you know, it might not be ideal for him and his little heart and mind. But he also would adjust and it would be okay because he's mm-hmm. so well, I don't know, adjusted.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, we kind of had a funny conversation about that the other day of okay if something drastic happened and we had to like get rid of all of our dogs oh yeah who would transition best you know and it was oh, like Ray, absolutely if someone has a ball or sheep for her to herd she's good like it doesn't matter where she goes <laughs> if someone right. at least has a ball for her she's like okay we're besties now <laughs> that's okay So, funny. so uh, no uh, I understand i'm
1: curious, that. i'm curious this is like kind of a um a selfish question but so i've noticed like robbie has like these transitional like um milestones in his age and we're coming up on like what like almost 11 months now what do you think like the next challenges with like behavior or learning or like where what should we be looking for next
2: hmm. so usually between 12 months and 16 months, you have another fear period. And it could just be something super slight. Um, And some puppies don't go through it at all. But it's just where they're a little extra rebellious. They decide, "Hmm, I'm not going to listen today. And Joy is going through that right now. Joy is uh, our keeper from Piper's last litter. And she turned a year old in August. I want to just make sure we're not ripping up something we're not supposed to. Um, But she just does whatever the heck she wants. (laughs) And she will open the kennel door and none of our other dogs do this, but we open the kennel door and she just comes barreling out, flying. And she's like, who's going to go wild and nuts with me? And is looking around and everybody's like, not me. (laughs) So it's just... It's an interesting transition for her, Um, but that's what I would kind of be looking for is like, it might be very slight. He might not have it at all. And it might be like, hmm, okay, we are just not working today. And that's where uh, I've had a few moments with Rogue this past week where we have been practicing and practicing and practicing. And then she decides, "Hmm, I don't remember anything that I've worked on. Yeah um which is very frustrating especially for us if we're like we're gonna do this and it's gonna be great
3: (laughs) i did some hurting
2: demonstrations with her and the demonstration i did with finn i literally told the crowd i said okay number like top two things don't let your dog go to the bathroom where you're gonna move livestock or when you're moving livestock and two don't let the dog eat the livestock food or the livestock poop What's the first two things my puppy does when I take oh. her in to go work the sheep? Goes and pees and poops and then goes and starts eating the sheep poop, which she has never done because I've oh. never allowed
0: her to do it. Oh, my God. Right in front of the crowd. I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> see, I see. I didn't know. OK, why not eat livestock poop? I mean, it's like I don't I didn't. It's disgusting. That's why I so don't. It's just that that mindset shift. So if I'm in there
2: and we're going to work the livestock, I want her to be focused on me and the livestock. I don't want her to be focused on "Hmm, nice little snack right here. It's nope. I need your full attention because if something happened in like that, whatever it was, especially like if we're working cows, because cows can be a a heck of a lot more dangerous than sheep. But if I all of a sudden, if Robbie's over eating a cow patty and one of the cows decides that he doesn't like when where you're standing and he decides to come at you, you want Robbie to be there to come and say, hey, no cow, that's not where you're supposed to be. But if Robbie's too busy over there eating whatever, you know, that's the thing is you just want that that focus retained on you and what you're doing, not, oh, let's go have a yummy snack, you know, and that's where when we move the livestock after we're done, if the dogs go and eat whatever poop that's You know, in the in the last paddock that we moved him from, I'm like, okay, that's fair game now because we're not working. But when (laughs) we're working, I want that full focus.
1: That's so interesting. I've noticed that like that mindset. Like I I have the command with him on me and it like he's supposed to be on my right hand side, like right at my fingertips. And when he's at his best, he will do that. And he'll be like looking at me for direction. And I've Mm -hmm. noticed the amount of time that he does that is getting longer and longer. But Mm for a while it was like you know 30 seconds a minute but you know like <laughs> yeah <laughs> now now he'll like yeah he'll when he's doing really good it, it is like a we're working now you need to pay attention and and he gets that which is it's a really like i was watching one of your videos and you, like i commented on you got really emotional with like that connection and uh-huh. i do i feel that sometimes too is like man he's like we're like really like jiving right now and like making this happen and that's like mm-hmm. I don't know. It's there's not another animal in farming that I feel like you get that. with. So it's mm-hmm. it's a really cool connection. And mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. Think there's another way to do that with an animal. Maybe the horses. Out, I would I, say horse people. Oh, maybe state. that. Was, I,
0: w- <laughs> I will point out that um Drew is not really a hundred percent on board with getting a dog. I, I was not. There was a good amount of coercion, but I did see this coming. For the record, I was <laughs> not on board
1: with the dog.
3: Now and no, I'm, I'm still know. not sure uh, I'm yeah i'm like i think you can move out now <laughs> yeah when you're when uh, you're laying
1: it on the couch and he lets a fart out he's oh like what <laughs> uh, <I'm not laughs>
0: exactly. he's he can smell so well he plays with the other dogs too so i mean he and our other dogs smell terrible they're outside all the time they're outside dogs and uh so he's like this mix this weird mix of uh, like a farm dog and an inside dog and it's it's a little it's a little we're still working um,
3: through
1: that
0: tricky yeah yeah and also abraham and him play so much that abraham smells like him so <laughs> yeah. yeah we're trying to figure that out too and he tough we call, but,
1: we um, call it abraham and robbie our dogs. You know? yeah <laughs> like, they're brothers. all dogs right, dog's got to sit in the back
0: seat <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny well i did want to just bring up this one story you shared recently with us about how you had a rabbit situation and I can't even remember what the situation was maybe I don't know if you want to share this or not but you had this situation um and you were able to you didn't have the ability to like grab something and take care of the animal in the moment that you needed to and the dog was right there and the dog did it so I don't know if you want to share that story but yeah. I just think it's I mean, like really it's okay rewarding. yeah okay it's okay
2: it's I mean is well, also rabbits, right kind so, of huh? Yeah. I mean it kind of like shares about like the training aspect with the dogs is like really understanding what I ask of them. Um yeah. so for those of you listening who don't homestead, uh close your ears. <laughs> and for those of you who do homestead. So I had this rabbit. Um she was my oldest doe, but she was very small and so I was trying to dispatch her. And I could not get like the dispatch done. And you know, if, if you homestead at all, you know, that you want it as instant as possible. And I just was really struggling. And we were kind of like at that time crunch where it was a lot of trauma for her is a lot of trauma for me because I'm like, I'm just trying to dislocate here and it's just not happening. And of course I had the dogs out with me. Um, and so I actually called them over and I sat her down and she didn't, didn't go anywhere because again of the trauma that had already been caused and I told the dogs to get her and again it it seems a little like harsh and very primitive to say that to a dog but I was able to tell them to get her one bite done and then I said okay that'll do and they all backed off of her and and she was gone you know but it's where it was that training aspect of okay the dogs understood of getter and what I meant from them in that moment wow. to, okay, that'll do. And rather than like taking the rabbit off and ripping her apart the way that normal dogs do, right. they, they yeah. understood that that was not their thing to do at th- in that moment. And so, um, yes, it's a, it's a little primitive and it's one of those stories where you're like, I'm only going to tell people that <laughs> understand, understand the yeah. setting and the environment where I would tell my dogs to do that. Um, but in that moment, I needed it to be instant and I was not able to get the job done in that moment. Um, and so it was very helpful to have dogs that, that bond that I had grown with them,
0: they could, they could understand. I just think it's so clear what the potential is for the relationship between the owner and the dog in that situation. Like that just is, I got a little chills from even (laughs) the second time you told it. Cause it's just, I mean the idea that you can have like a um a companion that's there to support you and help you get your job done its just i don't
1: know well, i just like, feel like I'm aussies like, really.
0: like their vocabulary like
1: you literally can almost
0: speak a sentence, to them a whole and <laughs> that's what
1: lacy keeps saying she's like you can tell them a sentence like can <laughs> yeah. not like sit and come and stay
0: it's like go to the kitchen and get me this and come back <laughs> yeah. Like but you almost can do that it's crazy
2: yeah i mean like i can i can tell you know the dog's Hey, we're going to put the sheep in the barn. And I can say it just like that. And I open the gate and the dogs take and put the sheep in the barn. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it it's just awesome. that that's the fun part about having dogs that are so smart and pick up so much, like not only on our language, but our body language too and our facial yeah. expressions, you know. Um, that's one thing and we love emotions, about the Aussie.
0: They sense that too, like oh, a yeah. lot deeper than just what you're saying. It's how, yeah yeah how like the energy you're putting out there they know too and mm-hmm. it's it's impressive
1: the kids are the kids keep joking they're going to teach robbie how to tie abraham's shoes <laughs>
2: <laughs> i bet you if he had like the velcro ones yeah. He'd yeah, yeah. It out.
1: <laughs> but the joke is he's going to like put his mouth on the shoe and then take it off and it's going to be tied.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah. You love kids and their imaginations too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's anyway. fine.
0: But I can see that, like, you know, we're talking about using it on homestead. So I can see, you know, I don't know, for some reason, particularly like with like, if you had a special need situation, like how this dog, this breed, um, if they're well trained, could just be so helpful. We do have a friend that has an Aussie, um, meant to be a service dog, but she's become more of a pet, but she can do pretty incredible things for him. Um, and it's just really beautiful to see because I just don't, I don't know. i it's, no.
3: it's,
0: it's new for me, new for me to see that in real life. So,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah, well, we've gone much longer than we said we were going to, <laughs> 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 I figured we would, but that's okay. Um, I would love for you to just share any parting words of advice you might have. Um, and then also just, um, how can people, if they wanted to get on your wait list, if they uh, just want to learn from you, what are the best ways for them to get in contact? and kind of follow the journey of you and your dogs along.
2: Absolutely. Well, I did just want to thank you guys for this opportunity. I'm always excited to share more about our dogs, of course, and love um, any opportunity we can do that. You know, whether that's going to different events and offering herding demonstrations or just even attending as vendors to events. Uh, You know, it's always interesting the, the conversations that are had and then the questions that come up but you can always reach us at working And we have all of our social media links there, but we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and then of course, YouTube. Uh, But really reaching out through our website is good. You can send us an email through there um, or just send us a message on social media, even. So I'm,
0: Excited I think to we always share
2: about this.
0: Do a shameless plug for the event coming up where you will probably be doing demos, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, so absolutely. So we're I know. So we're hosting our own conference uh in February 2024. It's gonna be February 16th and 17th. It's called the Resilient Living Conference. And you can actually purchase tickets through Eventbrite. I have that listed on our website as well. But Drew and Lacey will be speakers and teachers there. So I'm excited to have them. And then also I'll be talking about herding dogs on the homestead. And then I also have a friend that is going to do the flip side of that and talk about the livestock guardian dog aspect too. Mm So I'm really excited about that event. Um, But again, it'll be in February and a fun event to plan for because it'll be in the slow season and... Um, hopefully more homesteaders can come to
0: it. Uh, and there's a dinner and everything. I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be great. It's yes. a good time. Because, yeah, there's nothing else going on. So just come and let's hang out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um very cool. Well, Jordan, it's been lovely as always. We we're fortunate to have you in our lives, in our inner circle. We get to talk and, and hang with you pretty regularly. Um and hold your puppies and your babies. And actually, before we go, can we see some of the puppies? Yeah, of course. They they're actually listening. at my feet. Yeah, if you're listening, oh. you, but you can hear them, and um, you can always go to YouTube oh, and see them. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Oh my! <laughs> it's oh. crazy how different I they look when they're
2: baby from adult. Mm-hmm.
3: They look like a little bear yep.
2: See how many more can I grab? <laughs> I know. Come here. Oh, let's <laughs> see, and we'll get one more. Come here. It's all right.
0: <laughs> oh, look at it. Okay. I don't know if it's a him or her. The one on the far right is my far right is adorable. Oh my gosh. I, they all are, but love the spots. Awesome. Okay. Well, you heard her. Well, might be gone today. She does have one puppy left in this litter, but just get on the list and then start learning about these incredible dogs and what they can do for your, for your home and homestead um from Jordan and Josh, even before maybe get your puppy. But Um, it's been an honor and so much fun. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you.